We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Silver Spoons, already in progress. Welcome to the Gen X Files. I'm Jim. I'm Adam. And today's show is all about Fast, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. High. It's the she really going <laughs> out with him. She Sorry, I just said it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's such um, a good soundtrack. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, a great soundtrack. This is the second in our back to school September uh, month. Yeah. Last yeah, week yeah. was uh, Stand By Me, uh, and next week is something, uh, a deep cut, Three O'Clock High. Yeah, I'm so excited. I haven't seen that movie in like probably 30 years. It's great. <laughs> I'm really excited to watch it. But uh, but you know what else is great? Fast Times Ridge Ridgemont High. Yeah, take yourself back to 1982. January 7th, the Commodore 64 8-bit home computer is launched by Commodore International in Las Vegas, Las Vegas to be released in August. Wait, is Las Vegas the best Las Vegas? You, when you're in Las Vegas, you don't talk about Las Vegas. <laughs> it's the most Las it, Vegas of all Las Vegas. <laughs> it's very lost. It became the all, the all-time best-selling single personal computer model up to that point. Yeah, it was awesome. I had yeah. friends. I never had one, but I had friends that had oh, one. Oh, yeah? And, uh, yeah, I had a friend. Did you use a cassette one. tape? Mm-hmm. It was a cartridge. I mean, it was, well, or was it a cassette? It was like a cassette, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, man, it's been a long time. I remember playing this G.I. Joe game on the Commodore 64, mm-hmm. uh, my friend. Uh, anyway. No, it was awesome. Yeah, had, it was, uh, yeah. What was that guy? Plimpton. Uh, yeah. Not Martha Plimpton, but. Uh, George? George Plimpton. <laughs> hey, it was the one that, you know, did all the oh, commercials the, the, for yeah, it. Yes, that's right. And that's then right. had great sports games. <laughs> it did. January 30th, the first computer virus, the Elk Cloner, written by 15-year-old Rich Screnta, is found. It infects Apple II computers via floppy disk. Yeah, and then after that, Apple never had another They virus. actually, I, they, <laughs> they fixed it after that. Uh, yeah, it was, it was just interesting because the kid did it just because he could. Yeah, and, well, and he called it what, the Elk Prostate? Elk Cloner. Oh, the Elk Cloner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like an elk, E-L-K? Yeah, E-L-K. I don't know why. Maybe he was from, like, Montana, Montana or Minnesota or something. You know? elk cloner. He, he was 15. Com- his computers, they came first to Montana. Like the worst name. I'm just bummed out because that was the first virus. It could have yeah. been, like, you know, the Penetrator or something, the Vox yeah. Destroyer. Well, it took a little time for, for it to get cool. Ugh, elk. What a <laughs> moron. Uh, August 17th, the first compact discs are produced in Germany. Das ist gut, ja. Yeah, das ist very good. Das ist gut. In just four days prior to that, August 13th, on a Friday, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is released. The $2.5 million opening weekend went on to earn $27 million off of a $4.5 million budget. Yeah, that's a nice return. It's uh, a good, good chunk of change. A lot of comedy, too. I mean, comedies didn't And an R-rated make, comedy. Yeah, yeah. Make a lot of money. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I remember seeing That was awesome, man. I snuck <laughs> into that, baby. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Were you underage? Yes. yes. I was only a child, man. Oh, that's true. I was only yeah. 12 yeah, you when it been came 12. out. Oh, I was wow. a youngin'. I bet this was a very good movie for you, then. <laughs> Shaped my life. Uh, we just rewatched it, and I got to say, uh, I forgot how much nakedness there was in this movie. <laughs> No, well, that's the 80s, man. The yeah, 70s yeah. and 80s was the, – the 70s and the 80s, those were the best times for teen comedies because they were so real. Yeah. Kids was, you know, extremely real too. But <laughs> In a very weird way. But, like, the comedies had a lot of heart and a lot of, like, consequences to yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's abortion. There's yeah. teen pregnancy, which, you know, leads to abortion. Uh, or <laughs> – Adoption or, not, or, or babies, yeah. you know, pro-choice, make your choice. Um, it has drugs. It has uh, 
you know, drunk driving. It has everything it yeah. that yeah. happens when you're a kid, but it, it it is done in a very realistic way. Like even the the wreck with Spicoli. Oh and, my god! Uh, yeah, and the, the little the brother plays little brother, <laughs> and you know, and they I like <laughs> sex. <laughs> it's such a great. Sorry. He's like, uh, sorry. See the new Playboy? It was just so out of Ooh. nowhere. Um, I like sex, but that's such a kid thing to say sorry. too, because yeah. yeah. he's talking about boobies. Um, but even that, like, you could you could do that. You could yeah. spray paint yeah. the car and get out of shit yeah. by yeah. by being clever. Yeah. I got out of so much stuff when I was a kid <laughs> by being clever, you know? I mean, yeah. I should have been in jail or a ton of stuff, but that's just what it was like back then. If you were a clever kid, you could get away, well, murder. Mostly. You could get away with mostly. No, but, you know, I mean, there was nothing, you know, well, gross, but there was like... If you were murdering people, then yes. you probably had bigger problems. <laughs> <laughs> so, you weren't getting away with murder or any sort of gross stuff, but it was a lot of we did a lot yeah. of vandalism yeah you know we did a lot of thievery you know we did a lot of like yeah what kids did you know mailbox like stand in by stand me. by me yeah mailbox mailbox baseball yeah that, smashing that, the mailboxes yeah. that was a tradition that was carried on through the 80s but, I would be but you had, so yeah. pissed. Oh, man. oh god yeah seriously looking at things from an older lens <laughs> but yeah i mean there were movies like last american virgin yeah you know that was yeah. a comedy but it had this and again, it dealt with abortion in a really realistic way. Kids were portrayed as they were right. more so in that decade than any other. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would 90s agree. got stylized with the she's all yeah. that, some yeah. of this and the yeah. do's. But back then, man, it was like, these are the kids. They got pimples. They got mm. whatever. You know, Phoebe Cates, most gorgeous woman ever to live <laughs> in the planet. Yes, but she still looked like she could go to high school. Yeah. You know, they oh, yeah. all Hell looked yeah. like they could go to high school, you yeah. know? Yeah, they definitely, I mean, because most of them were under 22, 21, sure, yeah. 20. Like, they were, most of them were 19. Uh, which, the irony of this is that the original book that the movie is based on was written by someone who graduated from high school at the age of 15. Uh, Cameron Crowe, who is apparently a super genius. Yeah. Because uh, he was... Uh, he and I have something in common. <laughs> We uh, both skipped kindergarten. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. I did not. Yes. Uh, my parents made and sure both I had that. Super genii. Uh, well, yes, that's that's what I was assuming. Yes. Well, <laughs> I did want to make that clear. Okay. Yeah. So he skipped kindergarten and uh, two grades in elementary school. Uh, Cameron Crowe. The name might sound familiar because he is a director now. Uh, he's still a writer, but he has directed a bunch of movies uh, since then. Like say anything. Or... And his last name sounds like that of a bird. <laughs> that is true. That is true. A crow. Uh, when he was he graduated from high school at 15, right after he graduated from high school, he started writing for Rolling Stone. Uh, Just like me. Yeah. <laughs> More things that Jim has in common uh, with Cameron Crowe. I wanted to write for Mad Magazine. Uh, he, he eventually made a movie about it called Almost Famous, which I'm sure everyone's heard of. Uh, Patrick Fugit plays him uh, as a kid, but he would tour around and it was I, I almost wonder if it was Rolling Stone being like, hey, there's a 16-year-old here. Don't be too nasty and like Look, man, like I said, kids were not really coddled back then. No, no. You know, it's like if you could do something, do it. There was just this kind of get up and go. I don't know if it was a get up and go attitude, but just basically a like. Just do it. Yeah. yeah. The kid's good at it. Let him do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, his mom let him go. Touring, Tra- yeah. touring around his, at 16. His first cover story was a tour write-up, the Allman Brothers Band, uh, yeah. at the age of 16. He was Rolling Stone's youngest contributing editor. And I think a lot of it was that he would cover these newer rock bands that the older writers at Rolling Stone just wouldn't. Right. They didn't like the music, so they just wouldn't do it. And he was like, whatever, man, let's go have fun. And well, he also impressed uh, – there was a rock uh, – 
writer. What was his name? Banks something. Uh, Lester Bangs. Yeah, Lester Bangs. Yeah. yeah, that that he was in contact with that yeah. helped him get to yeah. where you yeah. know to Rolling Stone and all that. He recognized, you know he pestered him enough to right, right. You know, it, yeah, he didn't just magically start right. working. Yeah, for, the kid for, had for a lot of moxie. Yeah. Crow pushed, push, 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 push. You know, it's these kids that just are relentless to the point where the person's just like, fine. All right. We'll do <laughs> it. Just leave me alone. Go cover these bands we don't want to. Thank exactly. you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But it took a lot of persistence and a lot of work. Oh, yeah. 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 When Rolling Stone moved from L.A. to New York in 1977, Crow stayed behind, uh, but at the age of 20, was already getting bored with writing about <laughs> bands. Yeah. Jeez, man. Couldn't even buy a beer. Well, back then, yeah, I think 18 was the age. Yeah, I believe uh, it. Yeah. But couldn't even, at this age by a beer and he's no. bored he's, going on tour she wants to retire already great pants yeah, <laughs> yeah crazy at the age of 22 he came up with the idea to pose undercover as a high school student and write about his experiences which i don't know if that would be possible now no 100 percent no like i said back then <laughs> things were different but you know as soon as uh somebody over 18 is no, you know, no. It's immediately like, why? Why are you doing even this? that? Because they they did this yeah. story with Drew Barrymore, never been right, kissed, right, right. and uh, and it's gross. It I mean, if you creepy. watch it, it's yeah. gross. Especially David Arquette. <laughs> Ugh. Sorry, man. I, he's but, great, yeah. but it's gross. It was a gross part. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, so Simon Schuster, he went to them and said, "Hey, I want to do this book," uh, and they gave him a contract and said, "Sure, we'll give you money." So he re-enrolled in school as Dave Cameron at Claremont High School in San Diego. Nice, my old stomping ground. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and he wrote the book. It was called Fast Times at Ridgemont High: A True Story. It came out in 1981. Uh, it was a fictional account. It wasn't like he hung out with, became friends with some of these people right, and right. hung out with them, but it was all fictionalized. Yeah, but I mean, the names and stuff were fictionalized, yeah. but the stories were pretty yeah, much, Yeah, I think you know, it, well, and I, I, I think for the most part, it was, it was, it was true and honest. Story, to what, yes. yes. He but took he, the experiences yeah. he had and, and made it into a narrative. Right, exactly. Thank you. That was exactly what I was trying to say. Why, I'm a super poorly. genius, Adam, <laughs> and skipped kindergarten. <laughs> So it just showed teenagers doing teenager things, like going to school and at the beach and at the mall where yep. some of them worked, their homecoming, their graduation, and, and how they had these social cliques and these sexual encounters. And, you know, about growing up, it was something that really hadn't been done before. No. There were so many great movies after it. Like, like I said, uh, Last American Virgin. Then yeah. there was Valley Girl, yeah. which was another really kind of – that was like the darkest side. <laughs> the Valley it's side. A great movie. I've not seen that in a long time. Um, uh, great, great movie. Kind of like uh, Stand By Me. Mm -hmm. It's a movie that's not really about anything. Yeah. There's You're not, just hanging yeah. out with these guys. There's and, no real overarching plot or anything. It's just yeah. a, it's a year in their lives. 100%. And Fast Times is the closest you're going to get yeah. to going to high school in the 80s. That this I went to three different high schools. <laughs> but this was basically my public Your high public school house, year yeah, was yeah. this, this, you know, wow, because it crazy. was... You know, everything about it, going to the mall, yeah, the yeah. football team, you know, everybody <laughs> laughing at the cheerleaders because they're trying too hard, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. The teachers, uh, oh, you know, the performances are so good. Yeah, yeah. They cast that movie so well. I'd probably jump was, ahead here. So, yeah, yeah, we'll get to it. Uh, there were so many things about this movie that is... Uh, like my absolutely my favorite, which I did not remember at all, was the the science teacher having the, su the super hot wife. Oh yeah, <laughs> which I had a high, I had high school teachers like that where you're like you're so weird looking. How did you get this like Playboy model? Money. 
Small yeah. town money, yeah, baby. small town money. <laughs> I'm a scientist. It's what I do. Uh, yeah. Um, anyway. So before the book was even published, it got option to be made into a movie. Sure. Um, I looked it up, and the book is out of print. Has been out of print, which surprises me. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, weird. You can pick up the paperback on eBay for just under $400. Nice. <laughs> or the hardback for 365 Excellent. But it's uh, not in print, which is very odd. That is weird. I'm sure nothing untoward happened in the. How long was he there? A year? I'm assuming a year. I yeah. Mean, yeah, sure. I, yeah. He had to. It had to have been. Yeah. He was blowing dubs <laughs> with underage kids. I'm kids. sure he was. I mean, he was an underage kid blowing dubs. I wonder if back he would be like, the... hey, I got a fake ID. It says my name's Cameron Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> and he bought all the beer. <laughs> That looks like such a good ID, man. That's a great fake ID. This new Dave guy is pretty awesome. (laughs) He's pretty awesome. (laughs) So so Universal Pictures hired Cameron Crowe to adapt the film into a screenplay. Uh, It totally launched his career, which we just talked about. But a brilliant choice Um, because it it, it would take somebody to go through that experience to write that script. Yeah. yeah. Which actually the first script wasn't that script. No, no, it it was not. Um, Because eventually when they they hired Amy Heckerling to direct it, uh, she did not like the first script. Did they want, like, David Lynch? They originally reached out to David Lynch. uh, And to David Lynch's credit, said, and I quote, this is funny, not really my material. (laughs) (laughs) And David Lynch didn't realize how funny he was back then, probably. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, because he was just coming off of a racer head then. He hadn't (sighs) done... Yeah, I would, fast, fast Times would have been a great follow-up to a racer head. I would have head. absolutely given my left oh, yeah. arm to see David yes. Lynch's Fast Times at Ridgemont High. <laughs> oh, my God. The polka music. Oh, I love the man no, so much. No, but that would have been amazing. Could that you imagine? Been great. That would have been great. Yeah, oh. yeah he... he uh, he at least knows himself and knows not to get involved. Hi, Mr. Hand. <laughs> and I'm here to teach you about death. <laughs> That's so Mr. Vargas. That was Mr. Vargas. It's fine. Uh, so they hired Amy Heckerling, hey, ooh, Amy Heckerling, who was only like 22 or 23 or something. Yeah. Um, this was, again, been. you know, if you listen to the show a lot, this was a time where a lot of people got breaks. Yeah. yeah. You know, there was a, there was, uh, a lot of you know, talented young writers and directors, filmmakers. Uh, they were giving a lot of women yeah. opportunities, yeah. a lot more uh, – you know, minority filmmakers. Mm-hmm. It wasn't yeah, anywhere yeah. near what it well, should be. <laughs> but yes. seriously, it was like it was a time of you could. It was a meritocracy back then, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. You know, if you had, if you were good, and somebody could grab you, they would grab you because they were all about getting people. You know, coming right. up. Yeah, yeah. Because she she had actually grew up in New York uh, in the city and had moved to L.A. to go to the American Film Institute. Mm-hmm. And it was her thesis film, Getting It Over With, which was about this 20-year-old girl – or 19-year-old girl who wants to lose her virginity for right. insurance 20. And and Universal loved it. They At first, they, they balked on it because she didn't have representation. And she didn't have representation because she was brand new. But eventually, they were just like, okay, like just come in and we'll find something for you to direct. Yeah. Well, it's also so silly – all these arbitrary rules that they put in, yes, you know, yes. that kind of keep <laughs> really talented people from get, breaking through sometimes because there's this bizarre hierarchy and yeah, it's, all these hopes yeah. you got to jump through. I mean, if I if I was the you know head of Universal or whoever was trying to hire directors, like, and I liked this film and they didn't have representation, I would get them representation. Exactly, help them get I, to where you want them. Instead you, of, well, you got to figure yeah. it out yourself. I did. You know, agents. Nobody Call hold, held my hand. <laughs> 
Uh, Jerks. So she liked the script but thought it had too much studio interference. Oh, sure. And and read the book and said the book was incredible and and sat down with Cameron Crowe and said, hey – you know, we need to make it more like the book. Sure. I'm sure they totally sanitized it yeah. and, you know, made it more sort of. There was a couple producers that were pretty disgusting on the on really? the movie. Like during the carrot scene, like they wanted them to make it even more graphic and Amy Amy Herkeling was like, Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Gross. But that yeah. also the the charm of that scene is that they don't really know what they're doing. No. You know what no, I mean? It's no. like, that's the whole point, is like so much of this are just kids fumbling around, pretending like they know <laughs> what the, the hell's going on when they have no idea what the hell's no, going on. No, they really you know? don't have any idea. Part of me thinks that the that the character, Phoebe Cates character is a virgin and completely made up that boyfriend. Oh, that could totally that be. Around. I mean, because you never see the I mean, boyfriend. The, no, yeah. But it, her her reaction when he wasn't coming seems very real. But it's like that could be true. I mean, it's up. Yeah. It's it's a possibility. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's very possible. I mean, it, it just because she had the older boyfriend, she was seemed more mature and. Yeah, and she the the greatest tell of all of that is when they're sitting outside by the pool and. Uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character is reading a magazine and she says, Oh, you have to take this quiz. And they start doing this like Cosmo sex quiz. Uh, <laughs> Phoebe Cates, and she's talking about her, you know, absentee boyfriend. And, and the question is, you know, do you climax? Is it better when you climax first, your partner climaxes first, or you climax together? She's like, Oh, together. Yeah, of course. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, so do you always climax with Roy or whatever his name is? Yeah. And she's like, Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I think so. Because she doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't know. know. You know, she it's no just idea. like these kids trying to be. And that's what we were trying to do back then. I don't know how it is now with the kids today. <laughs> but I'm sure it's the same way. I mean, we're all trying to pretend like we were more mature than we yeah. were. Because yeah. it was such a weird time, especially coming from, like, grade school to high school. Or, you know, getting to that point where you're at the end of high school and getting towards college. It's right. just, it's it's such a... We were talking about there's the scene, you know, with Rat going to uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. They go on their first date. Oh, yeah. And he goes inside. And she is could not be more <laughs> clear about what she, she wants. If she, the only way it could have been if she was just sitting there naked. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And even then, he'd probably be like, oh, be like, oh, I got to go. I got to go. But that totally makes sense that he's like, I got to go because he's a virgin, probably, yeah. and very yeah. inexperienced. And, you know, it's just. It's scary, yeah, and yeah, and it and it wasn't, it wasn't progress. You know, it's like he's the kind of kid that you need to get to know. Yeah, and it's going to take a year before <laughs> they get to the point where they're going to make that decision. Right. You know, he's not just looking to get laid. You know, like the moon. It's just such a complicated time. It was, yeah. And sexuality uh, is so yeah. such a complicated issue back then, and they deal with it so honestly in this movie. Yes. Yes, uh, it's it's really interesting. I was that kid. Like I was always the one that, like the the Ratner, uh, who would I any time a woman like hit on me, I got aggressive. All right, bye. I yeah, can't, I can't yeah. deal. I can't deal. I don't because know because it's scary. You don't know. I mean, you know, especially being you know you were kind of a loner and stuff. Yeah, so it's yeah. like yeah, of course. I remember too. You know, it was in junior high. You know, there's this whole thing where this friend of mine and I and these girls were all playing and and. You know, all of a sudden we're in our underwear and they're all like, and it's just like, whoa, this happens really fast. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. And, yeah, and yeah. I didn't feel comfortable. You know, it's, it's right, not, right. it's not 
porkies, man. It's like, you know, everybody trying to, I don't know. I just think they did a really good job of, of expressing how complicated and frustrating and magical yeah. and, you know, everything about sex in high school is, it'll never be like that again. It'll no, never no, be like that no. again because it's no. all about dancing around the issue. And then, you know, if you're lucky enough or unlucky enough, you know, you end up losing your virginity around that time, probably at prom <laughs> or homecoming. But, Most you know, to somebody older than you showing the pregnancy, you know, yeah. and showing the yeah. one, you know, the two pump chump. Of Damone, you her, know? Jennifer Jason Lee's reaction during that scene after he has sex with her just starts putting on his clothes to leave. It was so honest yeah. and so raw. And, mm-hmm. like, she's just kind of like, but, like, we're going to be in love now. Yeah. And, like, what, you, why are you, okay, all right. Yeah, and it's just insecure. It's Uber. Just a, well, he's he's a gross yeah. guy. He's a very selfish guy. Yeah. You can't look at that time through the lens of a mature-ish <laughs> adult. Yeah, you have no idea what you're doing. Like, you're you're just, it's like suddenly there's a situation, and it's like, yeah, sometimes it just happens. And even he isn't a villain villain. He's just a jerk, you know? Yeah. And, and it was it was funny, because I was, the, during the movie, I was like, oh, he's kind of suave and cool and, like, whatever. And it was like, oh, oh, you're just a dirtbag. Yeah. Like, and, and it's just trying to make it, oh, it's all fine, man. It's fine. Like, you wouldn't like her anyway. Huh? Yeah. It's well, like, that's the thing. It's never taken responsibility. Yeah. You know, exactly. he's like, you want yeah. more than me. Yeah. And she's like, take it back. And even he was like, oh, okay, that was pretty good. Take yeah, it back. he did. I will give him credit for that. He did. He was like, okay, I realize I'm being a jerk. And like, but he still didn't give her the 75 bones in a ride. Did not help her. Mm-hmm. Nope. Lied about his dad. That little in the prick. garage, that little. Yeah, that's the <laughs> other thing, too. She calls the day of the, uh, of the procedure, she calls because he's not picking her up. And the mom's like, oh. He said to tell you he's helping his dad in the garage and he'll call you later. Eh, the moon comes out of an apartment the next day. Yeah. Mom's a liar. Yeah. There's no garage. The whole family. Bunch of liars. Bunch of lying demons. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and talk about casting. 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 As we pointed out before, the second most important part <laughs> of making a film, yes. number one being the script. Correct. Uh, script was good. Uh, Amy Heckerling and Cameron Crowe really liked it. So they went on to cast the film. Uh, they, they cast Sean Penn. So Sean Penn was a big get for them because he, he was starting to get a, a name. Uh, well, he was in Taps the year before. Yeah, yeah. And he was amazing in yeah, that movie. Yeah, he's a great actor. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, 100% great actor. Uh, he apparently on set of Fast Times never got out of character. Ugh. Uh, he was a, he was uh, let's just say difficult even back then. Your reaction was exactly the reaction of almost everybody on set. Yeah, didn't they call him like Baby De Niro? Sean De Niro, Sean De Niro. Yeah. <laughs> Never to his face. Well, of course not. But Sean De Niro. But you know what? I will have to say that if you're going to be in character, that's a pretty fun character I, to be around. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, Spicoli is he's got a good heart. <laughs> He's a good dude. I mean, well, yeah. I when they first came out, the the three of them, uh, his two buddies, mm-hmm. uh, Eric Stoltz and Anthony Edwards, yeah. And they walk in and they take their shirts off. Did <laughs> they purposefully like make their faces super dirty? Because it was just like they looked like they were homeless. Like it was really bizarre. I, I don't know. I don't know. It was just because I was like, they're supposed to be surfers. Like what? It, yeah, well, they mm. maybe it's smoke. I don't know. They're in that van <laughs> a lot, getting, smoking weed. 
Eric Stoltz was it was his first feature. Eric Stoltz, um, Marty McFly. Yeah, from, not Marty McFly from Back to the yeah. Future. <laughs> he had such a good career ahead of him that was cut short by not being in Back to the Future. I'm just well, kidding. He, I, he made it sound fine. like he died. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. No, he went on to do some kind of wonderful, and he had a, a really good. Yeah, Ooh. he had a good. No, Eric still had a good career. career. He it was he was good enough in this that I wanted to see more of him. Like yeah. like even just the scene where they're before the dance. We'll see with Anthony Edwards too. Yeah. yeah, I would be. I would have watched a movie with those three dudes. Yeah, I, exactly. I would have done the same. Spicoli and the Misfits. <laughs> so they cast Jennifer Jason Lee as Stacy. Uh, she actually took a job at the Percy's Pizza place in the mall that they ended up shooting. Yes, in. and if you. Uh, have listened to the show before. She is uh, a bit of Hollywood royalty. Yeah. Jennifer Jason Lee <laughs> Moreau. Yeah, Vic Morrow and uh, her mom wrote the script for, worked on the script for Cujo. Yes. Yes. And her dad was unfortunately killed that during was, the filming yes, of The Twilight Zone, the movie. Yeah, yeah that was sad. Uh, <clears throat> Judge Which, Reinhold. That happened oh. after this, right? Yes. Okay. That was in 85. 84, 85, I believe. Uh, <laughs> Judge Reinhold was cast as uh, Brad, uh, Stacy's older brother. The main reason he was cast was because he lived upstairs from Amy Heckerling. Yeah, he's he's a little long in the tooth. He looked a little old to be in I, high school. He looked like he was nearing 30. But, but he was great. I mean, but, Oh, again, also, the more that I saw the movie, the more I was like, God, I want to watch more Judge Reinhold. Like, also, it just goes to show what a great actor he is because... He is such a different, because the next thing he did that was kind of big was Beverly Hills Cop. Right. Where he played. Uh, Very different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, he, the characters, are, he, the character of Brad is so just typical <laughs> of what it's like for yeah. most people yeah. at the end of high school. You know, he's got these plans for his senior year. Oh, man. Going to break up with my girlfriend because everybody loves me because I'm Brad. <laughs> I got the hot shot job at the burger barn. Because I'm yeah, Brad. He's Brad, yeah. And uh, so it's like, oh, it's going to be a great year. I almost got my old Chevy Nova paid off or whatever that's. Six more months. LPOS six more payments. Six yeah. more payments. And then it all just falls apart. Loses uh, the girlfriend, breaks up with him. He gets fired because of a jerk. Uh, it's just, you know, <laughs> and he gets caught, you know, doing the old uh, uh, flubity flubity by Phoebe Cates. Bishop. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and uh, poor guy. But, but what a great performance. He was fantastic. In the and then movie. comes out at the end as a hero. He does. It's such a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> such a great Which sequence. he, strangely enough, he throws coffee in the face of another alum from Beverly Hills Cop, uh, the guy that played Eddie Murphy's buddy at the beginning. Who got murdered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He was really great. He's yeah. A good, yeah. But they were both in this. And then That's I crazy. wonder if they were like, hey, remember when we were on Fast Times and you threw the coffee in my face? I don't think they had scenes together. <laughs> yeah, but they probably went to the rap party together, Adam. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm sure they were probably best friends. I Well, let's not go crazy. Okay. <laughs> Uh, they cast Robert Romanus, 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 I don't know how to say his name. I think it's Romanus. Romanus. is Mike Damone, uh, the aforementioned kind of dirtbag. Uh, he was on the TV show Fame, played uh, Psycho Horowitz. Yes, he was. Um, <laughs> he was on that show, Adam. He was also on Facts of Life. He played Snake, uh, Mindy Cohn's boyfriend yeah. <laughs> on Facts of Life. He was Mindy's boyfriend. Friend. <laughs> Got some tickets for I, you. I really, it's it's really funny because everyone everyone in the movie is just so incredibly charming. Like they did oh, such yeah. a great job casting this. Uh, they cast Brian Backer is Mark Rat- Ratner. 
who is uh, for me best known for Police Academy Four, Citizens on Patrol. Yeah, <laughs> moving violations, wasn't he in that? Movie. Yeah, he was. He was. It was fun. The guy who Rat Ratner was based on actually went on to create the blah 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 for dummies books. Wow. Um, yeah, he just was, that one. Blah 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 for, for dummies. dummies yeah, yeah. It's mainly written for Jim. <laughs> Uh, Phoebe wow. Cates. Phoebe Cates is. Linda he made. Barrett. He was a lot more successful than the actor that played. Him. Uh, yes, he was. <laughs> yes, he was. Uh, Phoebe Cates is Linda Barrett, uh, who went on to marry Kevin Klein. Yes, they're still married. Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. There was uh, Farrah Fawcett in the seventies, mm-hmm. and her poster in the bathing suit. Right, the right. one piece. Yeah, um, and then it was Phoebe Cates in the eighties, and every young man was in love with her because yeah. Yeah. You know, she had a quality. She had something about her, and she was beautiful. And it's crazy that she didn't have a bigger career yeah. Yeah. than she did. I you mean, know, she yeah. went on to do high school movies. Like there, there was a private school or something she yeah. did. Yeah, Another kind of sex comedy. Um, and then I don't – and then she did something with Kevin Klein. Yeah. And then they got married. <laughs> yeah. And I, she didn't – I think she just kind of – would, was the mom like did her thing when like, she was went to like, theater yeah. who knows she could do whatever she wants that is true let's just be honest it was that pool scene of her taking her top off yeah and princess leia in the bikini in return of the jedi that shaped all these morons and <laughs> idiots my age into <laughs> who they are today that's what did it yeah yeah i, I agree i agree uh, Ray Walston was uh, Mr. Hand, the U.S. history teacher. Ray Walston oh. from My Favorite Martian. Yeah, he's so great. I love Ray Walston. Oh, God, that scene. Okay, you know that one of my very favorite things in the world, <laughs> one of my very favorite tropes, if not my favorite trope, enemies becoming buds. Yeah. yeah. And I adore the scene at the end when Mr. Hand comes in and is like, hey, you wasted about eight hours of my time. I'm here to take it. And and the look, I, whatever, Sean De Niro, it was his reactions. You feel so bad for Spicoli. He just looks like such a sad little boy all the time when he's just, especially, you're ripping up a card. You know, when he, like, at the beginning, when Mr. Ann rips up his attendance card, he's just so shocked. You dick. It's He's not trying to be mean. It's just his reactions. Just he couldn't so help it. It's just so shocked. And, but, oh, you great. know, he has a point where he's like, I was thinking about this, Mr. Hand. If I'm here and you're here, <laughs> isn't this our time? <laughs> but seriously, uh, enemies becoming best friends when he comes in and they do the thing. And he's like, okay. So Jeffrey, and he does the thing. And Mr. Hand real, got his point across. Yeah, yeah. He taught him through. He, yeah, there was no way he was ever going to get through that thick. Weed no, no. caked skull of his, <laughs> but he did, and he saw it, and and there was a you know a mutual kind of admiration or at least like at the end. You can tell Mr. Yeah. Hand is that teacher that's been teaching way too long, and is just so sick of all the BS and all of the kids, <laughs> you know. And he he gets it right at the oh nobody's eating in my class and everybody blue and he locks yeah, the thing and yeah. he's a hard ass because he's just tired of it but deep deep down he's a soft cookie that loves what he does and loves Aww. the kids yeah he is, he is and that's what is so great about this movie is there everybody everybody has dimension yeah yeah all the characters yeah. have dimension they're not stereotypes i think he also realized at that moment that if he passed him he wouldn't have to deal with him anymore <laughs> exactly. he's not gonna want him <laughs> whoa you're gonna fail me 
Because uh, <laughs> you could see that moment where he's like, well, I guess we'll find out next year. And he's like, oh, no, I'm going to backpedal. Nope, <laughs> yeah. you, you win. You'll squeak by, <laughs> Mr. Spicoli. They were actually originally going to cast, uh, they wanted Fred Gwynn to play Herman Munster. Herman Munster to play the part. <laughs> yeah. But Herman Munster, I mean, sorry, Fred Quinn, <laughs> uh, felt that the script was too obscene and Aww, refused. He would have been great. Yeah. What's uh, the ute? <laughs> he's so great. I'd love <laughs> I Fred Quinn. I adored Fred. We should just do a Fred Quinn show because oh, he was yeah. just so, so amazing. Yeah. Uh, Vincent Schiavelli as Mr. Vargas, the fantastic character actor. Such a great character actor. Uh, and he was married to... Uh, I forget the name of the actress, but if you ever watch Moonlighting, she played the receptionist. Oh, really? Mrs. Beasley, maybe? Or Mrs. Oh, yes. I know here. I don't remember her name, but I know who you're talking And about they brought her. in Vincent Schiavelli yeah. as her love interest. Oh, really? And so the husband and wife got to play off each oh, other awesome. in Moonlighting. And there was a great little, oh, like. Oh, that's awesome. You know. He's a great actor. Oh, he's, he's amazing. A, he's so bizarre looking. I think but he he's just passed recently. Yeah, it wasn't too long yeah. ago. Yeah. But that guy, what a. So uh, unique looking. He would pop up as like a monk or something a lot. You yeah. know, he would yeah. always pop up as some bizarre looking. Some, yeah. It would be like suddenly, like, there he is. Wasn't There's he in his... Ghost? Yes. Wasn't he the he guy was one that of the taught ghosts. him like, yeah, how yeah, to yeah. push the penny or something? Yeah, he taught him how to use his ghost powers yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. What a great guy. Uh, if you've never seen uh, Heat, Vision, and Jack, he is one of the villains in Heat, Vision, and Jack. It was a pilot by Ben Stiller and Jack Oh, Black. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Owen Wilson as a talking motorcycle. <laughs> nice. It's a great – you can check it out. I'm sure it's on YouTube. Yeah. Shame it wasn't picked up. He was, yeah, it was. It was. Uh, also, uh, Forrest Whitaker, one of his first movies, uh, the Amy Heckerling said that after the casting, they saw him uh, leaving, and he was actually skipping to his car <laughs> because he had <laughs> such a good audition. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, yeah, this is good. Yeah, he's, and it's great, too, because he's not like some big old buff. You know, he's a big dude. He's a big dude, yeah. But he's a little chubby. You know, it's not – that's what I loved about back then. It's just – People were people. They didn't yeah, have these yeah. super cut, ripped up, creatine <laughs> bodies. You know, it was right. just kids being kids. Yeah, he was just a big kid. That exactly, and that's what. Yeah, you know, I played football. I don't think very many. Well, there were some guys. I mean, this was about the Rambo times. So there were a bunch oh, of guys know, getting all crazy. GM. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Cage in his uh, first ever movie. Uh, Nicholas Sorry. Coppola. Nicholas Coppola uh, using. So he's his... still trading off his. Uncle's, uncle's name. <laughs> name. Yeah. Uh, in fact, on set, apparently, he would brag to the other actors about how he was going to be so famous. Uh, he was generally disliked on set. He mm. was not a... And he didn't have any... This is the other thing, too, is that he didn't have any lines. Nope. I think he was in two scenes. Briefly. And got higher, you miss him? higher billing than some of the actors that actually had speaking lines. Yeah, Anthony Edwards. He got a yeah. higher billing. He was before... It was kind of like they did the cast... And then they did the blub blip, and then they did the cast. Yeah, yeah. And then the first part were all like the big cast, and somehow old Nick Coppola got on there, even though he was literally an extra. <laughs> Two blinking you miss scenes. One, he's standing behind Brad, working at the All American Burger. Yeah, he's the guy, the fry cook. Yeah, barely seeing. Yeah, in the back. Yeah, and then at the football game, there's another shot of him. And that's it. That's it. He's he's a great actor, though. So other minor appearances in the movie, and there are a lot. Uh, Martin Brest, who eventually directed Beverly Hills Cop, plays a part. Yeah. I wonder uh, if that's why both those guys probably were in Beverly. I, it's such a small. It yeah. was such a small business back then. 
uh, sports broadcaster Stu Nahan as himself. <laughs> it's such uh, a great, a great. I love that <laughs> scene. Sequence. It's so yeah. funny. He is so game too, Stu. And he's like, so what are you going to do? He's like, uh, I just think it's a, you know, whatever nonsense he yeah. says, like, that's terrific. So what are you going <laughs> to We really thought it would be these other guys. Nope. <laughs> but it's you. Uh, Taylor Negron as the pizza guy. Uh, oh, he just passed recently. Literally too. cast as himself, apparently. Yes, because he, <laughs> Taylor is such, or was, I think he, was, he passed. Yeah. But in... Among comedians and among performers, he is a god. And yeah, yeah. the reason why he's in so much, and they just throw him in, like he's in all the Better Off Dead movies, and he always plays the same <laughs> snarky, amazingly <laughs> off put character. You know, just, you could just, it, he drips <laughs> with disdain in, in a way that no other actor ever has. And because he was so good at like improv and sketch and stand up and stuff, everybody mm. just wanted. Him in everything. Yeah, it, it, he's great. He was he was great. Um, Pamela Springsteen, the sister of Bruce, Ooh, uh, she is play? in the movie. I don't know. I, I never specified, uh, and I and she didn't. She wasn't actually credited. I think she was just an extra. But again, also most likely because of Cameron Crowe. I mean, sure, uh, yeah. Uh, his future wife, Nancy Wilson, from the band Heart, uh, right. was, was in the movie. She yeah. was uh, she was the one that sees Brad in his hat when he's delivering the, oh. the stuff. She's the one that's all like pulls up and is like hee hee, and then takes off, peels out, and he's like quits his job, and then litters litters so much. Yeah. And then Cameron Crowe is like cut, print, marry me, <laughs> and she's had some kids. Yes. They got divorced in two thousand ten. Oh yeah. Well, that's pretty long. I mean, that's they were married for like thirty years. That's yeah. a good run was, for Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, producer Stuart Kornfeld, who had produced The Elephant Man and History of the World Part One. Two very different movies. <laughs> yeah. He was, he was, um, actually, the, the character Les Grossman from Tropic Thunder mm-hmm. is partially based off of Stuart Kornfeld. Oh, wow. He was the manager that forces him, forces Brad to wear the suit out when he's delivering. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So that was, but like, apparently, yes, that was a big Brad, thing. what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, so, uh, of course, the, one of the biggest things, uh, after casting with the movie was the soundtrack. Mm. The soundtrack was huge. This was a time too, when soundtracks became extremely important, not just because of the music, but because of the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. they yeah. finally realized, oh, we can make a lot of money if we throw in some pop hits. But it's so, it, it's funny the, the the studio usually tries to push the older stuff because they yeah. want to sell yeah. that part of the catalog. And then the, but the <laughs> director's like, well, this is the eighties, man. Nobody yeah, wants to listen yeah. to the Eagles. <laughs> that was, uh, the producers originally wanted seventies bands, uh, and like the Eagles and it's a surprise, surprise. One of the film's producers was the personal manager of the Eagles. So hey, he was uh, pushing for it. I don't know. Um, <laughs> what about the Eagles? <laughs> uh, Rick, don't you manage the Eagles? I, do I? Yeah, I guess I do, but but I don't know. I mean, they're still a good band. What about the Eagles? <laughs> but Amy Heckerling was uh, smart and said, no, we're going to use modern music. It's and kind of a mix, actually. It, well, I, that's the funny thing is that a lot of the guys from the Eagles actually appear <laughs> on the soundtrack, <laughs> yeah. just not as the Eagles. Yeah. Uh, you got Jackson Brown, and you got yeah, – uh, yeah. well, he's not an Eagle, but you got uh, – Joe, Joe Walsh, Walsh. Who did some of the score mm-hmm. as well. He's, and, my, he's uh, the only Eagle I really like. Oh, yeah? I can stand a little bit of Don Henley. They have certain songs that are okay, but for the most part, eh. The Eagles are garbage. (laughs) True story. (laughs) 
<laughs> Not as bad as the Beach Boys, though. <laughs> Several of the movie songs were released as singles. Uh, Jackson's Brown's Somebody's Baby reached number seven on the Billboard Hot 100 singles chart. Um, they had a lot of people write music for the the movie. Like mm. Cameron Crowe using his Rolling sure, Stone, yeah. you know, panache, asked all these people to write music for the movie. Uh, so they released a lot of it. The title track by Sammy Hagar, uh, the cover of The Time So Much in Love by Timothy B. Schmidt, yeah. uh, Raised on the Radio by the Ravens, and Waffle Stomp by Joe Walsh. <laughs> Well, he also had Moving in Stereo by The Cars. Yeah. One of my favorite bands. Rick Ocasek. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was a lot. There was more music on in the soundtrack than there was released on the, the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, I, the, the huge get was Zeppelin because they never really allowed anything. No, they they were. And it was all because of Cameron Crowe. Yeah. Flat out. And, and if you look at the credits, Zeppelin gets its own, like, cashmere yeah, special thank end, you yeah. for letting. You know, and there's no way that was going on the soundtrack. No, 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 God, no. Uh, he does, Cameron Crowe does say that uh, every time anybody brings up Fast Times, they have to point out to him that uh, Kashmir is not on Led Zeppelin 4. <laughs> sure. And, and Never like, make a mistake, man. He's like, yeah, we shot them at different times. Yeah. <laughs> and we couldn't get the song we wanted, and they gave us Kashmir. <laughs> so, yeah. So there was also, like, American Girl by Tom Petty, which was not included on the soundtrack. Nope. Uh, we got the beat. By the Go-Go's. All the best songs are not on the soundtrack. Um, actually, and Cameron Crowe asked Todd Rundgren in Heart to write songs for the movie, which they did, but then weren't included on the soundtrack. Yikes. <laughs> Both of them ended up being released eventually. Uh, Todd Rundgren was on a B-Sides thing, and, and eventually the Heart, they released it as um, like a 1983 album or something. Like mm-hmm. there. Who wants to make that? And, and he's still married. And he's the, still married. The Heart Lady. Yeah. Even after he said, your song sucks. <laughs> We're not putting on the soundtrack or in the movie. <laughs> Eat it. He did a Vic Damone. He demoned her. He did. He demoned her. He used the four demone point plan <laughs> and somehow got, and that's how he married uh, Nancy Wilson. Nancy Hart. Nancy Wilson. From the hearts. Nancy <laughs> Wilson. <laughs> From Wild at Hearts. Okay. So the movie was released to a modest box office, box office success. Uh, it was a 29th highest grossing movie of 1982. Uh, much like most things we cover has definitely gotten better with age. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it has become a huge cold hit. Uh, I mean, it, it's like getting into a time machine yep. and watching a documentary about the early 80s. Hey, man, it's like watching a documentary about going to high school. You yeah. Know? It's about, yeah. like, yeah. It's, that's youth, man. Going to the mall, swimming with your friends. You know, that's California. Yeah. Everything they do. I didn't have a pool house or anything. Like that. <laughs> but... You know, that's all, we, you know, we'd go to the mall, we'd hang out, we'd go swimming, you know, we'd sneak some booze, fool yeah. around. We had such a great time because we were free-range kids when we were young, mm-hmm. and we had so much freedom when we were older. Out till 10, just be back yeah. by 10, yeah. be back by 11. Like I said, we'd do mailbox baseball, yeah. or we'd yeah. TP people's houses, or we'd just do stupid stuff because our hormones were out of whack. We just got to be very free. And make yeah. a lot of mistakes yeah. and pay for I, those mistakes. I never got caught doing anything because my uh, curfew was literally to be home before my parents wake up. Wow. They trusted me enough that they said, as long as you're awake or you're, you're home when we wake up, you're good. Well, that's good. They didn't wake up until noon. His parents were they very usually, lazy. Yes. They usually <laughs> slept until about 6 p.m. the next day. I am so 100% yeah. joking. Your parents are very hardworking, <laughs> wonderful people. 
They were great. They they were yeah. But I but it was nice because it was like giving that level of trust that I was right. like, okay, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna break this because you're trusting me to do this. Yeah. And, and there would be times we'd push it. You know, they'd want to know where we're going and stuff. But yeah. it wasn't about they didn't care about us. I think it was more that they trusted us, and they realized that we did have to make mistakes. We did yeah, have yeah, to do exactly. stuff. And they and there was a certain understanding. Your kids are going to drink. Your kids are going to do whatever. It was just like, just don't drive or don't do whatever. We yeah, didn't don't listen. Be, don't be stupid. No, we yeah. were all stupid. We yeah, all drove drunk. Course. I was the vice president of SAD in my school, <laughs> and I had a bottle of vodka that I had under the oh, driver's Lord. seat of my Fiero. So, yeah, I mean, we were all a bunch of idiots that should have never come out of alive or out of, in jail or whatever, but we but all you somehow did. survived. You did. In 2005, the movie was registered the National Film Registry by the National Film Preservation Board, meaning that it is now going to be in the Library of Congress. Nice. And, uh, for everyone to watch forever. Uh, the film inspired a short-lived 1986 television series yep. titled Fast Times. Oh, I remember that. I totally remember that. They had, was it? Wasn't Miss Ray Walston in that? Ray Walston and Vincent uh, Schiavelli both reprised their roles yeah. as our, as Hand and Vargas. Yeah, uh, they they cast new other people, obviously yeah. in the parts, um, Courtney, and, and not all Courtney of them. Courtney Thorne yeah. Smith. Uh, Courtney Thorne Smith yeah. played Stacy, the Jennifer uh, Jason Lee mm-hmm. part um, from Melrose Place, and according to Jim, <clears throat> everybody remembers according to Jim. Oh, the show. The I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> Sorry, You're looking at just... me. I'm like, according to me, what? <laughs> Sorry, just according to Jim is is my pinnacle of the worst sitcom Oh, it's ever. Jim Belushi. Yeah. I, it's, sorry. It's just bad. Okay. Uh, Claudia Wells played Linda Barrett, uh, the Linda character. She was uh, she played Jennifer Parker in Back to the Future. She was the original oh, right, um, right. girlfriend in the Back to the Future. Uh, Wally Ward is Marco Ratner, who was on the Larry Sanders show. Uh, he was the head writer on the Larry Sanders. Yeah, show. yeah, he's yeah. great. He was a great actor. He was fantastic in on CSI. Uh, Patrick Dempsey in one of his first parts is as Mike Damone. <laughs> so weird because Dempsey, when he played a lot of nerds, yeah, yeah. man, he was in. Yeah. He was like the nerd guy in the eighties. He had that string of movies. The, uh, 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 Can't buy me love. Can't buy me love. Yeah. And that what was that Pizza Boy one? Uh, that was the, oh man, like I don't Mr. The Romance or something. Something where he was essentially a gigolo. Yeah. <laughs> like he was. But a, a nerd. But, but the Can't Buy Me Love. Can't Buy Me Love. That was a great movie. One of my favorite comedies. And it, it was like one of the first kind of, uh, Pygmalion type. Yeah. Uh, high school movies where they take the, the nerd and turn him into the popular yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it was a great movie. Dean Cameron played Spicoli, who was. Chainsaw in Mark Harmon's summer school. I shouldn't say Mark Harmon's summer school. He didn't direct it, <laughs> well, he but was he was this, in it. Yes. He it was, was the a Mark Harmon vehicle. Uh, That's a great movie, too, by the way. The summer school. Summer school? Fantastic. I think yeah. it's a completely underrated movie. 100%. 100%. I would, great cast. Uh, back when Kirstie Alley was funny yeah, and not yeah. an insane <laughs> Trumpian or whatever the hell she is these days. But, man... What a good movie. Summer School was one of those movies that was on almost every day on, like, one of the page channels. So oh, I would yeah. watch it Look, I'm going to say day. this. I'm going to say this 100% unabashedly. This is the truth, baby. <laughs> the truth. <laughs> the 80s. There has never been a better time for teen comedies than the 80s. Yeah. Look at what we got. Yeah. We, yeah. Not only Fast Times, not only 
summer school. Yeah. But we got Breakfast Club. I mean, really, Fast Times was the first one. And, and, and you see it because you go to something like in the 90s with like Not Another Teen Movie, which mm-hmm. was like making fun of these teen movies. And it's, you know, play for play, like yeah. Fast Times. It's, well, I think, I mean, honestly, I think Not Another Teen Movie was more making fun of like She's All That and the newer br- right. brand of like but that was, 90s that was, movies. Right. But it was because those newer 90s movies were trying to be these 80s movies and failing miserably. Well, I th- the problem with the 90s movies is they stylized them. They right, cast right. super, super attractive people. They kept making these teen movies for adults where the teens would talk like adults or the teens would just be completely uh, stereotypes. I like She's right. All That. I think that's a fun movie. I sure. love that movie. But the kids, it doesn't have the same kind of heart. No, no. agreed. You know, it, it, a little bit. Freddie Prince Jr., you know, they give him some depth and they definitely right. give her some depth. But it's like, it's that manufactured stuff. Like, yeah. okay, her mom's dead and she paints and he has a lot of pressure on him and he right. doesn't want to have to be right. this guy. But it's not, hey, he knocked her up and she has to figure out if she wants to get an abortion or right. not, you right. know. And they're, right. It doesn't, you know, it just didn't have the realism. They all drive really great cars. Agreed. And it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a very Hollywoodization of youth that kind of ruined it for kids yeah, because it gave yeah. them something that they couldn't live up to or they couldn't so much, I guess, identify with. Yeah, yeah. Because you don't see a lot of these movies anymore. No, no. You're starting to see a few come back because they're getting back to what it is to be. There's, yeah. Like, like Euphoria, you yeah. know, like shows where they're a little, they're not comedies per se, but they do get into what it's, the complexities of being a kid. Yeah. And now, I mean... Fast Times is quaint, baby. Yeah. You know, yeah. that childhood, our childhood was quaint. You know, we didn't have social media. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have all these pressures. Right, right. The same. These modern crazy things. Sure. And it's just universe loved these kids for for being able to navigate all oh, this stuff. I because can't imagine being a kid right now. No, it is so, there's just so much pressure, so much more pressure with TikTok and yeah, Instagram. Yeah. Watching Fast Times again was very nostalgic. It mm-hmm. was really cool to see. What it was like going to the record store, picking up some CDs, yeah. picking up some records. Hanging out of the mall. Hanging out at the mall. I ate those square pizzas. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. that place oh, yeah. we went and yeah. got a couple of Percy's, slices yeah. and a Coke. And you sat at the food court. And then you went <sighs> to the movies. And then you bought a couple of albums. And you went back to your buddy's house and spent the night and listened to the albums. Talked about the girls you talked to. Right. And... What you would do if you bleepity blue, not knowing anything about anything. <laughs> you pretend you know. <laughs> and it was it was quaint, man. You know, it was still complicated and complex, and it hurt, and it had all those emotions and oh, all yeah, of that yeah. pain and, and anguish that it is to be a kid. But I, I, I honestly think that the kids today, these kids today, they seriously, man, I, I don't think I could do it. Yeah, I I wouldn't be able. It, it would be too much stress and too much pressure. Look, if you want to see what it was like for your folks <laughs> when they were in high school, <laughs> check out Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Really great movie. It's yeah, and it's not if you've never seen it. It's a great movie. You'll identify with it sure. because it it it's a timeless uh, themes yes. of of just being a kid. Everybody's like, felt like a nerd. Everybody's yeah. felt uncomfortable. Everybody's felt pressure. And all of this comes across. And if you haven't seen it in a while, watch it again. And especially if you haven't seen it. As an adult, it's yeah. really interesting oh, to, yes. to watch it with uh, wise eyes. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I, I highly recommend it. And watching it again, it's just – it's another example of a perfect movie. Like I wouldn't change anything on that. No, no. Because no. it's just – 100%. It's so magical that it, you just kind of step into this high school for an hour and a half 
Yeah. And then you step out. It's so amazing. You know, there's no life changing situations. No, no, you know, there's no, no deaths. There's it's no just it's being just kids. high school. Yeah, I'm man. Trying and, to grow up. And that stuff, whew, that stuff is hard enough. Yeah. You don't need all the extra, you know, <laughs> you manufactured to, drama. Yeah, exactly. You don't need to manufacture drama when, when growing up is tough enough. And as we've always said, you save that drama for your mama. <laughs> And we'll be back next week <laughs> with uh, another back to school yeah. situation. A, a bit of a bit of an, an underdog. A deep, 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 a deep dive. dive. Three o'clock high. Three if you haven't high, seen great. it, watch it. Uh, Pamela Springsteen, the uh, sister of Bruce, not the brother. Uh, it's Pamela. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming, Silver Spoons, already in progress.